Welcome to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Now, here's your host, founder and CEO of Rogue Preparedness, Morgan. Hello, hello, everyone. Morgan here, and welcome to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. All right, so no guest this week. It's just me all by myself. Um, I do really love having guests and I do have a few guests coming up and, uh, you know, whoever you think should be a guest or if you want to be a guest, you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I want to talk preparedness and survival and homesteading and whatever else um, here on the podcast, then definitely uh, contact me. Head to my website at roguepreparedness.com. And if you'd like to buy me a coffee, help support Rogue Preparedness, the venture, everything, um, the link is at my website or it's down in the podcast show notes, I guess they're called. Ooh, I, I sound, sound very fancy by saying that show notes. Ooh. Okay. Um, so today I want to talk about power outages. So uh, this one may be coming a little bit late, but I think that this is late enough in the game in which... Um, anybody who may have been affected by the Texas freeze or anybody who's ever been affected by a power outage, even if it's, you know, no matter how small, um, there were a few times there towards the end when we lived in Texas that um, we were getting some pretty crazy blackouts kind of for no reason. Like this Texas freeze was pretty strange. I got to say, um, I have my own kind of conspiracy theories about that, but we do have to kind of look at the alternative energy that they had too. like the um, wind turbines were literally freezing and um, the wind turbines do produce a good amount of energy, not all of it. And certainly not even half, I don't think. Okay. So from an article here, um, as of in 2015, it, the wind power supplied 11%. And then um, in 2020, Coal produced 15, 18%, um, while 46% was natural gas. Um, now, this does say in 2019 that um, 28% of it, um, Texas leads the nation in wind power generation and produced about 28% of all the U.S. wind-powered electricity in 2019. This article says that Texas wind turbines have produced more electricity than both of the state's nuclear power plants since 2014, but it says it's only producing 28%, and the natural gas was producing uh, 46%. So sure, you know, it it may be producing more than coal, I guess, because coal was producing 18%, but at only 28%, that, that's pretty disingenuous. You know, it's saying that... Um, the wind turbines were producing what 20, uh, 11%? Oh no, 28%. And then uh, the coal, so wind turbines were, were now are now producing 28%, and then coal's producing 18%. And then they're, you know, that's a 10% difference. And they're trying to be pretty disingenuous by saying that. I mean, 10% is not a heck of a lot. Sure, coal is only producing 18%, which is great. In general, I'm a big fan of alternative energy. Heck, we live fully off grid. I'm fully on solar and we're thinking about, we're not thinking about, we're in the process of getting a wind wind generator because it is so windy here all the time and it would be really great for us to have that um, 
a second source of energy providing for us, you know, especially at night, you know, there's lots of windy nights and we could be producing energy even without the sun. And there's lots of cloudy days. It could be raining, whatever. And we could still be producing energy even when there's no sun and we wouldn't have to use a generator. Sometimes when it's super cloudy, like in the winter, when there's not a lot of sun and, you know, shorter days and we have to turn on our generator sometimes if it's a really cloudy day and, you know, we're just not producing very much. But sometimes we're so weird. It's like we're at 89%, you know, like our batteries are charged 89%, but we're so like that would totally float us throughout the night. It's not a big deal, but we're so crazy. We're like, we got to have it at 100%. We just, we like to have it as charged as possible. So even if we do have to turn on our generator, it's like for an hour and not even that sometimes the generator actually, um, powers up the batteries pretty quick. So that's pretty nice. Um, but you know, the generator takes gas, but no, um, no, no alternative energy is perfect. And I say this because, um, you know, even with the wind turbines, you know, producing what, 28%, that's pretty good. But you know, we're still a long ways from getting to that 100%. You know, there's still natural gas, there's still coal, there's still you know, nuclear, there's still, you know, all these things that are still being, you know, are, are still number one. And it's not because we don't want alternative energy, but it's it's mainly um, the space and the infrastructure. Like it's a whole thing. And this this podcast is not about that, but I, I feel like I have to talk about it because one of the main um, reasons that, you know, Texas was without power was one, it was, you know, the wind turbines were not producing because they froze over. Two, um, the power plants, you know, were without electricity as well. And, and the power plants have to answer to the federal government. So they asked the federal government if they could run a generator in order to provide power for their people. I mean, this is literally what they had to do. They said, um, you know what, we have to run our generator a little bit longer than we're allotted to. So, um, uh, power companies are allotted, you know, certain amount of time to run a generator because of emissions. And so um, they have to ask permission, say, oh, well, can we please, please run our generator a little bit more federal government? Please, please, daddy, can we run our, our generator a little bit longer to give our people power? And they granted it, but they said, sure, you can have this power but you're going to have to charge everybody like however much money, you know, per wattage or, or kilowatt or whatever it was. And so they did and they charged more money. And then a lot of people um, who buy their energy in bulk were getting like $10,000, $17,000, $20,000 bills. And uh, a lot of these people had their bills automatically taken out of their checking. And if that's just it's it's robbery it's literally theft and it's so ridiculous that the power company has to beg the federal government you know hey can i please turn on our generators so that we can keep supplying energy to our people when the emissions are probably completely negligible even with the even with the size of the generator that the power companies are using 
it's still negligible. And and then for them to be like, sure, but you have to charge more in order to to because of the emissions, the extra emissions. They weren't charging more because they have to, you know, buy the gas or whatever, run it or whatever. They were telling them to charge more because of the emissions that they were putting out. I mean, this is the type of literal down, you know, nitty gritty detail that the government wants their hands in and to to you know, like um, they were charging more because the power companies were going to be like charged and penalized and whatever more for this. So it was a whole thing. And so I, I think it's just I think it's just ridiculous. Like we have to go through these crazy governmental loops in order to provide something as simple as power to people. That is the that that's what it comes down to power to the people literal lights on <laughs> okay uh so pretty ridiculous scenario there but i think that that should be a big eye opener to us that we should not rely solely on any outside source for our water power food whatever and i you know this is part of preparedness and self reliance and homesteading and all that this is all part of that you know it's a it's a big deal you know, when somebody else controls your power, when somebody else controls your water, when somebody else controls what you can and cannot do, as in, you know, you had light before, but you don't have it now because while I could run the generators to give you power, you know, the government's telling me no or whatever the case may be, or just because there's a power outage, you know, from freezing weather and they're, you know, they can't um, control that. They couldn't you know, they can't get power back on because of the freezing weather or whatever the case may be. You know, Texas's infrastructure just in general isn't really set up for that type of um, hard, hard freeze. So that was a pretty big shock. A lot of shock to a lot of people. But, you know, a lot of people still had power is the thing. You know, yes, millions were without power. The millions were also with power. And that's another thing that we have to really consider is the media. The media really drives how we feel and how we view. And sometimes the media is spot on. And then sometimes the media is just outrageous. You know, the media is always trying to pull at your, pull at your fear and pull at your heartstrings. And they're always trying, you know, they really want that really good story. Well, that really good story is people without power. It's not a good story to say, hey, look at all these people with power. That's too uplifting. That's too positive. That's too, uh, you know, hopeful. Uh, they can't do that. So, you know, the media um, really wants to skew your view of things. And that's really important to keep in mind. In general, don't let anybody take that power. You know, why, why are we always giving that much power to people? I mean, this, this podcast is kind of steering in a weird direction, but I'm just trying to help you kind of think like, great, you want to be, you want to, or you have to be connected to the grid in some way. Great. You know, I was uh, my whole life up until, you know, literally a year and a half ago. So it's, it's not like I'm saying, oh, how dare you be connected to the grid? You're such a terrible person. No, 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 no. We just have to understand that being connected to the grid, um, you know, for power, water, and even, you know, with our infrastructure of food, you know, by continuing to go to the grocery store and all this stuff, we are, you know, by solely being reliant on these things, we, um, you know, have no control if those things ever go away. 
And so that's what I'm trying to kind of get the point across here. If these things go away, and they can go away for any reason, at any time, then, you know, what are you going to do? So that's what I want to talk about, you know, specifically power outages. So first of all, of course, you really want to have food and water. Um, you want to have water as well, because even after um, power was coming back, I believe that there was um, there was some sort of contamination in the water. Um, I can't remember the exact details, but um, there was a boil notice, I think specifically for Austin. I could be mistaken here. It may have been all of Texas, but I think it was I think it was specifically just Austin. But um, they had a boil notice because their water was contaminated for a while. And so, you know, water was still running through the pipes, but you had to boil it or or sanitize it or purify it in some way before consuming it. And so um, when we when we think about that, it's like, you know, a lot of people say, well, why are you storing water for a power outage? Well, this is exactly why. Also, water will only run through the pipes for maybe a few days, a week, kind of depending on where you are. But, you know, even if it's a power outage, the water will still be flowing for a few days, but eventually even that will stop. Um, so, you know, if the power continues to be off for that long. So there are definitely ways to get water and, and um, food and stuff like that. So first of all, store food and water. Don't forget the water, okay? A lot of people just totally neglect it. They don't understand. Well, this is exactly why, you know, but it's not just for a power outage. Storing water is for so many other purposes. I use water just every day. Like I'll throw it in our vehicle if we want to go on a hiking trip or I'll, uh, I'll, I'll use, sometimes I use it for the animals. If, if like our water was freezing a couple times and I had to grab a gallon of water to go feed our chickens, you know, we don't have a, a chicken water heater. Uh, you know, that takes electricity. We're off grid. Everything takes electricity. Uh, we're trying to do off grid stuff. So anyway, um, so my point is, uh, so definitely store up on bottled water, store it in a cool, dry place away from direct sunlight, cover it, put it under beds, put it in dark closets, that kind of thing. Um, outside of that, there's probably a lot of sources, not probably, there's, there's some good sources in your home to actually get water. The water, if you have a, a house and you have access to a water heater, you know, like in an apartment, some people don't have their own water heaters in their apartments, but if you do have access to your water heater, that's a really good source for water. I have a, a video on my YouTube about how to access water, um, from your water heater. It's pretty simple, but you know, it's just a few steps. So water heater is definitely a source of a lot of water. Um, I would still I would still suggest like like boiling it and filtering it because sometimes when I've taken the water out of the water heater it has like some sediment or something in it, and so I just want to make sure that you know I'm getting the best water possible. The water in it is pretty dang clean, you know. But most of the time you're using the water, you know, you're using it for cleaning purposes. It's you you know from that water heater, you know, it's showering and washing your hands and things like that. But um. Yeah, so from the water heater is really good. Um, and then outside of that, you can fill up your bathtubs. They have a little water bob. Um, fill up your bathtubs and literally fill up your sinks. Fill up every single water container that you have in your home. Fill up all the bowls. Fill up buckets. Fill up 
glasses, fill up everything. You maybe leave one or two things for you, I guess, to actually use for food. But I'm saying, you know, try to find every single thing that can fill up water. Even if you want to go get a trash can, you know, um, fill it up and then you can, you know, a clean trash can, I'm not saying like <laughs> a gross trash can, but you know, maybe you want to have uh, a few five gallon buckets just for the purpose of filling with water in the case of an emergency, you know, just fill it up, fill it up, fill it up, fill everything. Um, and then outside of that, you know, what we can do is uh, try to f- try to have like a rain catchment system, I think rain collection is huge and even if you live in an apartment you can you can have like a little 5 gallon bucket, you know, rain collection system. And you may think that 5 gallon bucket is nothing, but it it holds, you know, it's a 5 gallon bucket, it holds 5 gallons. And so if you have like two of those on your balcony or outside somewhere, you know, catching rainwater, great. Just make sure that you have some sort of screen on top of the bucket. Um, to prevent mosquitoes and debris and stuff like that. So um, some sort of mesh screen in which rain can come in, but bugs and debris can't. And even with the rainwater, you will want to purify that in some way. So always have some sort of water purification because I've talked about it a couple times with the, with the, um, you know, water heater and now with the rainwater, um, water purification is, is important. So a Berkey, or um, water purification tablets, or just good old boiling, filtering and boiling, filter with like a coffee filter or a bandana or something like that, and then boil the water. That's pretty effective for a lot of things, for most of the things that you would find in running water or, um, you know, your your water tank. The boiling will be, will suffice, should suffice. Um, But of course, you know, I would have multiple methods of water purification. I have a blog post on my website and I also have my course, um, How to Store Food and Water for Emergencies, my online course on my website at roguepreparedness.com that goes into great detail about how to store food and water. So if you want to head over there um, and check that out, it's a very intensive course. I mean, just very detailed. And um, so outside of that, what we want to consider is... Um, food, of course, just, you know, for now, go to the grocery store, get some food, you know, every time you go to the grocery store, buy some food, buy just some extra non-perishable food items. Um, you can stock your freezer if you have some sort of way to keep your freezer running during a power outage. And if you're thinking about a generator, there are several different kinds of generators. There are propane generators. There are the dual purpose generators of the gas slash propane. Um, and then there's solar generators, which are great. I love solar generators, but you have to keep in mind the the um, ability and capacity of solar generators. They may be only be able to run a freezer for, you know, so long. They may not even be able to run it the whole night. And especially if it's having to kind of like refreeze, it's using a lot more energy. Like if you're, let, like, let's say that your freezer has been off for a few hours, when you turn it back on, it's going to have to kind of do that kind of returning on process, you know, kind of refreezing a little bit. And so, you know, it's going to get back to cooling, to the cooling, you know, degrees, whatever it needs to get, however full your freezer is, will also determine that as well. I would suggest if your freezer's not really full with food, which it should be, <laughs> if you're planning on using your freezer, um, <clears throat> fill it, fill it full. 
But if it's not full, go ahead and put like bags of water, just Ziploc bags of water or gallons of water or bottles of water, any type of water. Just put a bunch of water in there and that will help uh, keep it cool as well. You know, it's big ice blocks, <laughs> basically. Um, but that'll help keep the food cool. It'll help keep the freezer cool. And then as long as you don't open the freezer a lot, it'll, everything will stay pretty cool for for a day or two. Just kind of depends. Um, but again, you know, if your freezer's off, you know, for, we had our, we used to have our freezer off for, um, about, what was it? Five or six hours a night. Um, we used to do this. We used to have an inverter that would just turn off at like 1am and then it would turn up back on at, at 7am. Uh, anyway, and, um, that helped, that was our old solar system. It doesn't do that anymore anyway. And so, our freezer was off for a few hours a night and then it would just turn back on and it was perfectly fine. Everything's fine. You know, as long as, again, your freezer is packed full, it's fine. Um, but, you know, it's fine for a few hours of being off. But just keep in mind that when you do turn it back on, it'll have to get back down to that cold, whatever it is. So it may use a larger, significant amount of power right away than it would, you know, just idling. Um, okay. So here's the other thing. Um, so, so yeah, generators are really good. Generators can be loud, you know, especially gas generators, uh, solar generators, they're really not loud. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, gas generators can be loud. So I also want you to keep, um, safety in mind and more so safety of a carbon monoxide. Do not bring generators inside and do not put them even in your garage. Don't put them in your garage. I want you to have at least 20 or 20 to 50 feet away from any windows and doors. Okay. The, it, it's a killer. It's a quick killer. Every single year during any emergency or disaster, there are carbon monoxide deaths. Like the most deaths that come from emergencies and disasters, natural disasters are from carbon monoxide poisoning. And so we just, um, we just really want to make sure that we're as safe as possible with carbon monoxide. Sure, you can have carbon monoxide uh, detectors, but do you have them in your garage? Usually not. Um, you know, if you're standing out in your garage or something, you know, even if you walk out into your garage and breathe for a few minutes, it could be that bad. You know what I mean? Even with the garage door open, just don't do it because that exhaust is, you know, seeping into the door that goes into your house. And it's just, it's bad. Um, if you're going to do anything, like you want to keep it sheltered, build a little box for it, put the exhaust outside of the box, obviously. And then, um, you know, have like a few vents or something and yeah, that, that should be good. You know, um, keep it away from, uh, the elements and just keep it hidden, I guess, you know, extra safety, but that'll be a, a good place. And then have run an, run an extension cord from the generator into your home. But a lot of people, a lot of people use generators. So if it's just like a normal natural disaster, I really, really wouldn't worry about like security as in like, oh, I hear a generator. Yeah, you're probably going to be hearing a lot of generators. So in the case of like a natural disaster, using a generator during a natural disaster, again, I probably wouldn't worry too much about like the security aspect of it because there's probably going to be a ton of people using their generators um, during a natural disaster. But 
of course, always keep your safety and security in mind, obviously. You know, you don't want people taking your generator when it's not a natural disaster. So putting it like in a little house or something. Um, one of uh, one of my friends said that her neighbor um, put it made made the house look like a dog house. And I thought that was a really clever idea. So, um, so yeah, you know, get clever with it. Kind of hide it in little nooks or crannies where people can't see it, but away from windows and doors. Um, okay, so generators can be a good option. Just really depends on, you know, what you want. You know, you have to buy these things during peacetime. And when I say peacetime, I mean not in the middle of an emergency and then certainly not after not directly after rather. So, you know, it'll be a few weeks, a month, maybe two, <laughs> you know, uh, I hear that people are still having trouble with freezers though, buying freezers because during the pandemic freezers were out for like months and months, but I've seen them come back. I've actually seen a ton of freezers at like Home Depot. They, I don't think they're advertising them on their website still, but if you actually, you have to actually go to Home Depot and then you'll see the freezers and then you can buy them. But they're still good prices and um, that's where we got our freezer. We stumbled upon it. That's where we got both of our freezers actually. We got a chest freezer and then a, a standing freezer both for literally stumbling upon it. They're, they're not on the website or anything like that. So um, so yeah, you have, to, you have to actually go into the stores. And, but there were a ton of them last time we were there just like a week or two ago at the time of recording this video. It's the beginning of March, 2021. We were there just a week or two ago and there was just a, uh, an abundance of freezers. So definitely check that out. Try not to order one because I think those are still back ordered. But, you know, if you just go into the stores and look, um, they, I, good chances that they're there. It does also depend on where you live too, I'm sure. Okay. So store food store water. Boom. Check. Okay. Next. You want lighting, right? So any type of lighting, um, you know, candles, flashlights, if you have a little, even if you have just like a little folding solar panel so that you can charge rechargeable batteries for your flashlights and lanterns and things like that, that's a really good idea too. Um, so candles, uh, flashlights with regular and rechargeable batteries. If you happen to have one of those folding solar panels, I actually have a, a blog on my website that talks about um, solar options. I think it's a pretty extensive blog post if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, but if you're looking into that stuff, uh, definitely head over to uh, roguepreparedness.com to check out that blog post. Um, so outside of that, you know, lighting, you, you can kind of get creative, but at the same time, you know, be realistic. Like how much lighting are you really going to use? You know, you're going to use probably, you know, a candle for a few hours. You're going to use a flashlight for a few hours and then you're going to go to bed, right? Now there's warmth, you know, and cooling. Sometimes there were power outages in the middle of the summer in Texas. Like that happened to us um, a couple of times actually. And it was out all night. Luckily, it was just out during the night because, you know, we just opened up all the windows and um, we were okay. It was still warm, but we were okay. And, um, you know, sometimes you just got to tough it out. It's really all there is to it. Uh, and then, you know, but if it's during the winter, you know, like this Texas freeze, then, you know, you're going to want some warmth. I think one of the most 
efficient and effective ways and something to start out with is a good sleeping bag. A good 20 degree or zero degree sleeping bag for every member of the household. Then this way, everybody will have a nice warm place to sleep in their sleeping bags. And then if everybody congregates into one room, you know, try not to spread out too bad. Put like a sheet over the doorway or something. Um, But, you know, try to make it like a nice warm area for everybody. You can also get the buddy heaters. Those are really good too. Buddy heaters with, um, you know, that use the propane. If you're using like a big propane tank, keep the propane tank outside of your home. Sometimes they can um, leak a little propane or something. Like sometimes I walk by my propane and I can smell it and I'm like, why am I smelling it? Sometimes they overfill propane bottles and so it can leak a little bit. Um, But you just want to be careful with that. You know, try to if you do smell that, you know, just be really, really careful uh, with propane. And if you do have the big can- canisters, try to keep them outside the home and then just have the uh, the cord coming in. And get be sure to get the um, propane filters too if you are going to be using a larger propane tank. They have little buddy, be- buddy heater filters. Just look up like uh, buddy heater propane filter and it'll come up. I think I, I think we paid like 12 bucks for it. Not very expensive, but it'll um, help. Apparently, there are some oils that go through the line that can crash your buddy heater um, over time. Um, so, yeah, and then you'll have an extended life, extended life uh, with your propane if you get the bigger propane. Those um, one-pound propane tanks that actually fit into the buddy heater will only last maybe an hour. I think it's like 1.5 hours, something like that. So if you get the larger ones and connect it, it will last longer. Um, I think, uh, not I think, but I did a video about that on uh, my YouTube channel. And I get about four days of running my propane out of a 20 pound tank, um, 7.5 pounds of propane. Um, but out of those 20 pound tanks, um, you know, that you would use for like a grill or something. Uh, and I got like four days out of it running like 14 hours a night. So yeah, good amount of uh, propane can be used, you know, for several, you know, four days out of the 20 pound tank. Pretty good. Um, But you know, you may not want to run it all night long. Like I was doing that for my greenhouse, but uh, you know, you may only want to run it for like a few hours. Um, You know, it just really depends. You know, um, if you have a fireplace, that's great. If you have a wood stove, wood stoves are amazing. Um, and then again, just, you know, huddle, bundle up, um, layer, 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 and, you know, get those sleeping bags. I can't recommend those sleeping bags enough. The zero degree or 20 degree bags are great. I got our kids a 20 degree bag. We have a zero degree, zero degree bags that we got like forever ago. We got our kids 20 degree bags. And if you get those 20 degree bags, you can layer up a little bit even inside the bags, you know, just to give yourself a little extra, little extra warmth, you know, uh, get some of those like hand warmers and put them in the bags, <laughs> put them in your socks, <laughs> put them in your, uh, pockets. <laughs> um, those little hand warmers are great. Fantastic, by the way. Um, okay. So warmth, you know, just, just try to stay warm as best as you can. If you want to invest in a wood stove and install it, great. You want to, you know, put a fireplace in your house. Great. 
um, you know, get the buddy heaters, you know, have also have a multiple options, you know, don't just get the sleeping bags and just rely on that, you know, get the buddy heaters for a little extra heat, you know, um, and then at night, you know, you'll sleep with your sleeping bags, you know, and think of it like a fun camping trip, you know, when you're out camping, most people don't bring their buddy heaters. I do know people that do. Um, I don't. Um, probably I might though. I'm about to go camping here in a little in a little while, and I'm thinking about bringing the buddy heater. But uh, it's a little inefficient when it's outdoors and in a tent. I think unless you have like a canvas tent. Mm. But uh, you know, just like a regular tent, sometimes it's really inefficient. But um, you know, it just gets so cold. But anyway, my point is, uh, you know those the sleeping bags, I think are just going to be a lifesaver and they're not very expensive. I think I paid like 50 bucks per sleeping bag of those 20 degree bags. So, um, sleeping bags, sleeping bags, I cannot stress them (laughs) enough. They will be a lifesaver. And yes, you might be uncomfortable, you know, for a few days or something, but just layer up, layer up, layer up. And then if it is sunny during the days, you know, open your windows so you can get that good sun in your house and warm up your house a little bit. All right, so warmth and cooling, you know, if it if it is um, warm, I do want to talk about warm, you know, this isn't just, you know, power outage in the winter, but, you know, if, if there is a power outage in the summer, um, definitely, you know, get some uh, solar powered fans. They have those. You could also do battery powered fans. Those are really good too, but I would really suggest, you know, either storing a bunch of batteries for that or um, doing the um, rechargeable batteries, you know, with the, with the solar panels and the rechargeable batteries, it'll just save so much money and time. And, you know, during the day you can just charge the batteries and then, you know, switch out the batteries, you know, use the fans at night during the day all the time, you know, open up your windows and doors at night. Uh, so you can get that nice cool air coming in or at least some air. <laughs> Sometimes it's not real cool nights. Like, in, like in Texas, it was humid and not cool. <laughs> So, uh, but still opening up the windows and doors can definitely help. Um, and then, uh, you know, during the day have blackout curtains and, you know, really keep that sun out. Also putting like tinfoil or, um, the reflex that's, it's kind of like padded, uh, tinfoil kind of thing. It's like, or emergency blankets, even you could put those on your windows to block the sun. That works just tremendously well. Uh, we use reflex um, in our RV to block the sun. There's one window that gets just a ton of sun during the day and it warms up the RV so bad. So we always had that reflex on it and I cannot tell you how big of a difference it makes. I mean, it is just, it's, it's, <laughs> excuse this uh, saying, but it's almost night and day, you know, like when we have the reflex off of the windows, it gets so hot so fast, but when we have the reflex on, it's still a little bit warm, but it's not nearly as warm as it would be if those would be off. And, and so, um, you know, if, uh, if you do have a generator, maybe you can run a few fans with the generator, you know, that kind of thing, but it just kind of depends on your comfort levels. Of course, drink lots of fluids. That's another thing about staying warm. Actually, I wanted to say drink lots of warm fluids. So in saying that, you know, like a lot of people just kept telling me like, well, you know, people can't, uh, 
boil their water. They can't make food. Well, that's part of power outage preparedness as well. You know, if you don't have a gas powered stove or you don't have, um, you know, propane or anything like that, you know, a propane powered stove or that kind of thing, you don't have natural gas or propane. Like there were several houses in which we had an electric stove and I hated it because I love gas. I I love propane and stuff like that. But, you know, even though I have um, right now a propane stove, a propane stove and oven, actually, um, I still have alternative options. I can cook over a fire. We have a grill, which, uh, which you know, runs on propane. But if you have a grill that runs on coal, you can st- you can store a bunch of coal. Um, you know, like the briquettes. Um, you can also you know just have some propane. Propane stores a lot easier than gas. So having like a propane generator or propane you know grill or, or anything like that, any type of propane will store. It stores just way better than gas. So if you want to store anything with anything, you know, try to store propane, you know, the propane one pounders plus, you know, start just kind of buying those 20 pounders and getting them filled and storing them. Like I said, they store way better than gas. Um, So, you know, storing propane is just definitely easier and better, I think. Uh, So, you know, get it, get the um, propane uh, camp stoves. Those are just amazing. They're great. You can, um, one of my friends showed a little propane uh, oven that goes on top of those camp stoves and it's an oven. It's like a legit oven. You put the oven, it's like $50. You put this oven on top of those camp stoves and then you can bake. And I thought that that was so cool. It's just this little oven, you know, it's not like you can do, you know, huge grandiose things in it, but I thought that that was so neat. I have it on my wish list now. I had never seen it before, but it goes on one of those little um, Coleman propane uh, camp stoves. And uh, so you can get that. You can get the, um, you know, anything to, to heat up. You can make a little buddy burner. I have a blog post that talks about alternative um, cooking options on my website. You can just use the search bar, do like cooking or something like that. Um, and there's lots of options. You know, like I said, you can make like a little um, fire pit in your backyard and cook with your fire. You can make a rocket stove that just uses little twigs. So many great ideas. And, um, you know, we just have to get creative. People say that they cook with candles. A lot of people have said it, but cooking with candles is very, one, I think, wasteful of the candles. And two, um, very inefficient. Like it took me it took me a long time to to cook rice. Like it took me like an hour to cook rice with candles. And a lot of people kept telling me I was doing it wrong, doing it wrong. I had like five candles under there and it was as close as it was going to get. And, you know, a lot of people wanted that flame like right up against it. Anyway, my point is, you know, the flames were close enough. And I just think that it's still inefficient. Even if it took me, you know, 30 minutes or 40 minutes instead of an hour to do it. You know, like people were telling me I was doing it wrong, but then they, but then they also said, yeah, it takes a long time. It still takes a long time with candles. It doesn't matter how you're positioning the candles, like how close the candles are. The candles only emit so much heat. 
Um, you know, it's not a fire. You know, it is a little tiny mini fire, but it's not like, you know, going outside and making a fire or something like that. And it's definitely not like a, a propane or a natural gas flame. There are different types of flames. There just are. And, uh, you know, a fire is not a fire is not a fire. <laughs> okay. Flames are different. A little tiny flame that comes out of a candle is not the same type of flame that comes out of propane or natural gas. And it's definitely not the type of, of flames that come out of a, you know, fire that you make like outdoors or something like that. It's different. Um, so you just have to keep that in mind, you know, go and experiment. You know, a lot of this stuff I've experimented with and I've realized that it, these certain things are extremely inefficient just because something works you know, do you really want to be using and wasting five to 10 candles just to cook? Or you could have also planned, you know, to use propane, which is very efficient, uses very little, um, you know, propane to cook and will actually last a really long time. Um, you know, you get more bang for your buck. You, you're better. You're spending your time better. You're spending your money better. You're spending everything better. And in an emergency or disaster, you really don't want to mess around with crazy hacks that, you know, don't, that might work. Sure, this stuff might work, but you really want to give yourself the best advantage possible. You know, um, I love the buddy burner. That's an actual hack that I love. Um, making your own little buddy burner. Um, that has, an ext it burns extremely hot and I was able to boil water within 10 minutes. It's just crazy efficient. Um, rocket stove. That's a really good, another DIY hack thing. So no matter how you're preparing, like I said, I really want you to give yourself the greatest advantage possible. I want you to be using your money and your time wisely, especially in an emergency or disaster situation. You don't want to be messing around with crazy things that, you know, you don't need to be messing around with. Um, plan ahead, have these things ready. And that's, kind of really all there is to it. You know, you don't, that's the whole purpose of preparedness is to prep the things that are going to help you during an emergency or disaster. If things are just going to stress you out more or take a bunch of time or take a bunch of energy and resources that you don't need to be using, then it's inefficient and should be changed. Now, I want you to go experiment too. I want you to experiment, you know, don't just take my word for this stuff. You know, I never, ever want you to take my word for some of this stuff, you know. I want you to, sorry if you hear my child in the background. I think she wants to go ride her bike. Um, but, uh, you know, I want you to go experiment, like the whole cooking with candles thing. Go experiment yourself. And if you find out that you love it and you want to use it, fantastic. Go store candles to the roof, okay? <laughs> so you can cook with it. I don't care. Okay, I'm just telling you to find the options that are going to work best for you. And if these options work best for you, great. Uh, so, you know, there's lighting. We've talked lighting and heating and cooling. We've talked um, about just so many things, you know. And, and in the end, you know, if you want these alternative energy options like solar and wind and, and whatever else, one thing I will say about solar is just make sure like if you're in an urban area, make sure that if you are connected to the grid, that you also have your own batteries. So that way, if the grid ever d does go down, 
you still have power because if you have solar power and you're connected to the grid, if the grid goes down, you go down. Doesn't matter if you have solar panels. There are ways to disconnect, but you have to have your own batteries and and solar charger and inverter and all that. Most of the time, what these installers will do is they'll come to their is they'll come to your house, put the solar panels on top, and then just like hook it up into the um, into the power. And that's it. They don't give you an inverter. They don't give you a charger. They don't give you, I'm sorry, charge controller. They don't give you batteries. They don't give you any of that because they're just trying to supply power to you and to them through solar. So they are definitely using your solar. And that's, you know, that's why they don't charge you, you know, for uh, um, electricity after a while. Sometimes that's why people say, oh, they pay me. Yeah, because you're providing them with power. But if, uh, if you want to be disconnected, then you better have that inverter and the charge controller and your own batteries so that you can be disconnected and have your own power even when the power's out. So just keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, look at all these alternative options and just, you know, live without, you know, sometimes, sometimes we just have to learn to live without, you know, and just be cool with our situation. Lastly, don't forget entertainment and morale. I always mention this, and this is like never talked about with power outage stuff, but do not forget about entertainment and morale, especially with kids, families, but just for yourself too. Like even if it's just you and your dog, don't forget about that entertainment and morale. You know, have some books, have some games, have some, you know, a DVD player that runs on batteries, you know, like have some fun stuff for you to do. Like don't just, you don't have to just sit there in the dark and stare at the wall, like, uh, do some, you know, fun activities, make some craft, uh, boxes that you can take out for your kids or for yourself and, um, you know, puzzles and, and games. And like I said, you know, battery powered stuff, you know, if you have like a solar charger, you could do a, a, a power bank, uh, that you can charge with a solar panel and then use that power bank to charge like, you know, your phone or iPads or other things that you can watch movies on, things like that. You know, um, get creative and entertainment and morale are still extremely important, especially during an emergency or disaster. Keep everyone happy. Okay. All right. So, I hope that this was helpful and I hope this has got you thinking. Again, go out and experiment. Find out what works best for you um, and go to my website and uh, search, you know, a bunch of these things. I have almost all these topics on my website or on my YouTube. They're somewhere. Uh, So definitely go and search that and, uh, you know, get some more information. And if you ever have any questions or anything, don't hesitate to reach out to me at um, I can be contacted on the contact link at my website at roguepreparedness.com or on my Instagram at uh, roguepreparedness. Um, I'm also on Twitter, roguepreparedness, and um, I'm a bunch of other places. Of course, YouTube. I'm on YouTube. Just search roguepreparedness and I'll come up. Thank you all so much uh, for listening. I really do appreciate your support. And I hope this has been helpful. And please don't hesitate to reach out to me for any reason. Conk tomorrow by preparing today. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Ask questions, never stop learning, and stay prepared. Conquer tomorrow by preparing today.
See you next week. Thank you.